Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. One thing that's really easy to do in life is to stake claim to things that maybe aren't quite as important as we think they are. Um, so what do I mean there? There's a lot of things that I like to claim to be, uh, or at least I, I want to be seen as being by other people. And the one thing that kind of gets me into the most trouble is my inward claim at being funny. I like to make people laugh. Uh, but the truth is, I like to make people laugh too much so most of the time. And a room that's, that I come into that's not laughing is like a room that I feel is calling my name to make something happen. Um, another claim that I've always wanted to hold on to is, in my heart, is this claim of being an athlete. Uh, anytime I see somebody running outside or on a bike ride, I'll literally turn to my wife and be like, hey, I, I look faster than him when I'm running, right? Uh, it's a sickness, really, I know it is, uh, but I don't care. I, I don't let injuries heal well. I don't, let, I don't just go out for an easy workout or an easy run. Uh, if someone is on the trail ahead of me that I'm running on, I will speed up so that I make sure I pass them before getting off the trail. Um, I'm always fighting to, to prove my claim at being an athlete, this, this thing that I, like, that I haven't lost, that youthful athletic nature. And we all claim things, maybe not inwardly so, or outwardly so much, but inwardly, we, we, we make claims about ourselves. Uh, there's things that I want people to think about in regards to me when they think about me. Um, but here's the problem, most of the things that I want people to think about me are stupid. Uh, who cares if I'm funny? Only I do. Who cares if I run a fast three-mile split today? Literally, only I care. Uh, and you, you know what my wife has actually told me on more than one occasion? She's like, I wish that you were the nice one in the room. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and she's not wrong. I, I'd actually give up, I, I, I'd, I'd give up anything for people to think that I was the nice one in the room instead of something else. Uh, but trouble is, being nice it's just not always as natural a thing to me as to some people. I have to work at it really hard sometimes. Um, but it's as though I have some kind of core values that are kind of messed up sometimes. Uh, I want people to see me as one thing, but what I should really want them to see me as is a whole nother thing. And so all the while, I find myself working for something that isn't quite as important as the other thing that I should be working towards. And as, as Christians, as the church, there's nothing worse than putting value in the wrong things. Uh, there's nothing worse than overvaluing what's not most important at the cost of what actually is important. And so uh, today we're really taking a look at this in this new message series that we're, we're calling it Unlimited, the life that you were meant to live. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to dig into what are the values that we think are most important here at Central Christian Church. And these values really, we feel they're values that come directly out of our understanding of Scripture. Uh, these are values that uh, are an answer to what we find as being the thing that's most important. And one thing that our lead pastor says all the time, uh, that above everything else, Central Christian Church is a Jesus church. Uh, you might have other churches that their focus maybe just bends a little bit one way or another. Uh, maybe one church is a, a grace church or one church is a Bible church. Uh, uh, but to us, Jesus is everything. That, that really is the place where we start from. Everything flows out of our focus on Jesus and the value that we place in Jesus. 
And so why is Jesus our everything? Why is Jesus the high point of our value system? Uh, It's because any other starting point isn't quite the right starting point. Uh, It's like me wanting to be seen as funny and my wife just wants me to be seen as the nice guy. Uh, it's, It's great to be funny, but being a mean funny isn't really funny at all, is it? You know, funny, funny without the nice, it's missing the point. Anything in our lives where we are, where we're not putting Jesus first, it's just kind of missing the point. Now, I want to take you today to a passage in 1 Corinthians. And this passage stands out to me because it really points out the foolishness that we butt up against anytime we value something ahead of Jesus. In this passage, Paul is writing to a group of people in the Corinthian church who have, they've just gotten into an argument. And it's an argument really about, to them, what's most important. And so this comes out of 1 Corinthians 1, uh, starting in verse 10. Uh, Paul writes, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Uh, Another, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the power of Christ be emptied of its power. Uh, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. In verse 10, Paul is appealing to this church group that they would all agree with one another. Now, that might not honestly sound like some kind of crazy church cult kind of thing to you. Like, man, there shouldn't be any disagreement uh, on any of you whatsoever. And if there is, you're in trouble. That's, that's really not what he is making an appeal for. The divisions that are happening with this group of people in this church, they are divisions that are tearing them apart from the central focal point of the gospel. And the gospel is one thing. It is the good news about Jesus. And so when, when Jesus doesn't remain the center of what any group of Christians is about, they become divided. They're going to claim that there are other things that are more important or as important as, uh, as your faith in Jesus. And they're going to split off into factions that will ultimately lead to disunity. Now, I want you to notice what these people were doing in their claims here. Uh, they, were fo- they were claiming to follow Apollos or Paul or Cephas or Jesus. Um, and what they were doing was they were, they were staking their spiritual identity in one of these guys. Those who choose to follow Apollos, uh, they, they believe that they were more spiritually blessed and in a better spiritual position because Apollos gave them that kind of advantage. Uh, the same for those who followed Paul or Cephas or Jesus. This wasn't just some little thing like, oh, Paul led me to Jesus and I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm just glad someone did it. It wasn't really like that. It was actually like, no, Paul led me to Jesus. And so my knowledge of Jesus is right. And you are not quite in the right there. Uh, they didn't value Jesus as much as the people that they were saying, hey, that's my teacher. Um, frankly, it was messed up. They were being divided. They, they didn't see people who followed other guys as their teachers as being the, the, in the right. Like Jesus was not at the center of everything for them. And so this brings up really an important question for all of us. Where do you stake your claim for spiritual identity? If you went around and asked a ton of people, you know, how are you, how do you know that you're going to heaven? 
uh, man, you're going to get a bunch of different kinds of answers. Some are going to say, well, I'm a, I'm a good person. Uh, well, I go to church a lot. Uh, some are going to say, well, I don't, I don't do a lot of the bad things that, that the people around me do. Uh, some are going to say, well, I don't, I don't believe that a good God could, could actually send a person to hell. Others might say, you know what, I, I read my Bible and I try to do what it says. And, and all of those answers display what a person's spiritual identity is where you're putting your spiritual identity. One's identity is that, uh, that they're good enough. One's identity is in church attendance. One's spiritual identity is that they don't, they don't think that they're as bad as other people. In other words, they're good enough, again. Uh, one's spiritual identity is thinking that God is okay with whatever I do or, or that I can just trust in my own effort. We all have a spiritual identity. We all have this thing that we cling to that gives us some kind of peace in our spiritual well-being. But make no mistake, if Jesus isn't at the central part of your spiritual identity, your spiritual identity is going to be off track. Uh, the Corinthian church members, they found their peace in something other than Jesus. They found it in a teacher. They found it in the person who baptized them. Uh, now, for a long time growing up, uh, even, even for quite a while in, in my early years in ministry, I battled with a spiritual identity that centered on obedience. Um, it was about fulfilling some sort of required set of behaviors that made me right with God. And it, it came out a lot in the way that I taught, especially young people in youth group. And I, I still regret that what I taught wasn't really always quite the gospel. Um, now, sure, I preached that Jesus died for your sins, that all you need to do is trust him, you're going to be saved. And that is the gospel. But attached to that gospel was also this little, there was this little extra caveat. There was... There was probably more of an emphasis on becoming obedient to a certain lifestyle than there was on this emphasis in trusting Jesus. And it was almost like uh, I'd get things turned around. Like, hey, let me, tr- let me tell you, uh, let me try to get you young people to obey and to live more like Jesus. And then, and then you're going to trust Jesus more fully. But the reality is, I should be saying, hey, let me try to show people Jesus more so that they're going to trust him more and maybe then the obedience and the living like Jesus will just kind of become a natural outflow in their lives. Centering your spiritual identity around anything other than Jesus is placing your value system in a precarious position. Uh, Getting your spiritual identity right, it needs to be at the highest level of your value system. Uh, but also just getting, getting Jesus right on your spiritual identity may not be the only issue that we have here. Uh, getting the object of our spiritual identity is important, but bringing that identity above every other identity in our lives is also a must. Uh, I think there's a second and maybe less obvious question for all of us to consider as we're looking at this division in the Corinthian church. And the question is this, what identities do you claim with a passion that is equal to or greater than your identity in Jesus. Again, I want to bring you back to the issue that was at hand here. The, the church members here are fighting over whose teaching they, they followed and who baptized them. And ultimately, they were like a bunch of little kids fighting over some, something that was super silly. Uh, but I want you to get this. They had become ridiculously impassioned about their arguments. Their passion for this issue blinded them 
to what should have mattered most in their value system. Now, I love the passions of kids. It's awesome to watch kids and to listen to kids as they're playing. I got, I got four girls in my house, you know, between the ages of, what, 13 and 6. And they argue and get passionate about things that I never thought to argue about when I was growing up. They get passionate about what Disney movie they're going to watch that night or what song from what other musical they're going to be blasting at highest volume in my house. Uh, and they become, they become passionate about these things. They become passionate about the doll that they should get to play with. And sometimes that passion is going to cause a division. The amount of times that one of my daughters has run off crying or they've tried to exact revenge on their sister by giving them the silent treatment because they didn't get to play with the doll they wanted or play with the, kitchen, the play kitchen utensil that they wanted. Like, it's mind-boggling. For me growing up, my passions were all about sports. I would stand my ground against somebody who was, who was not for my team, thinking that it was the best team, or, or standing up for my favorite player and why they truly were the best. And those passions in a ridiculous and silly kid-like way, they could easily cause a division between me and that other person. Um, and, and we just, we now have this division. And seriously, how dumb is that? To have the division that we have with people over, over the silliest things. The fact that I would stick so heavily to something that I'm passionate about, uh, so much so that it would cause a, a, a rift in a relationship between me and somebody else, it seems pointless, right? Doesn't that seem like a complete mess up of what's most valuable? Doesn't that seem to show a need for a reevaluation of my value system as a whole? And maybe right now you're kind of picking up where we're going at with this. I'm wondering if maybe all of us have certain passions that we get more passionate for and fight harder for than our passion to show the true represent representation of Jesus to the people around us. If someone had a day to walk around with me and watch what I do, listen to my conversations, to follow my social media, what would they think is my greatest passion? What would they think is the thing that I put my, the most amount of value in? What am I willing to fight hardest for in my life? Here's something to think about. If, if there's something that, that I'm more passionate about than Jesus, it's likely that I'm actually willing, I'm going to be willing to fight about it. And it's likely to be a fight that isn't going to be worth it. And I explained it like this to somebody recently, and at least for me, it seemed to kind of click. If Jesus is at the, the top of my value system, everything I do is going to kind of trickle downwards from that value. So Jesus is my value. And then it's possible that his grace and his compassion is also going to trickle down through every other passion of mine. Jesus is up here, grace and compassion is with it, and it's going to trickle on down. But if there's something else that's at the top of my value list, maybe it's a job or it's a political view or it's another person or it's me being respected, Whatever it is, my passion for that thing is now going to trickle down through everything else that I'm passionate about. So I'm going to lack the grace and compassion that I might have, that I might have if Jesus was my highest value. And everything's going to trickle on down from there uh, in, in how I treat people if my top value is not Jesus. And like the, like the, the church in Corinth, they, their top value was the person that they were, they were following, the teacher they were following, had nothing to do with anything but their own pride. When I hold on to anything as more of a value than Jesus, you can believe that it's pride that's going to get into the mix of it somehow. 
Uh, and that's exactly what division, the division that was taking place in this Corinthian church. Pride had been infused and the humble nature of Jesus take, had taken a back seat. Uh, the passion and fervor that you have for the things that you value can be, it can be a great thing to have. But, it, but what happens when your passion for Jesus doesn't meet these other passions? Now think about this for a minute. Do you stake claim to your political identity with more passion and more fervor than to the claim of your spiritual identity in Jesus? Do you fight for your politics more than you fight for, for Jesus? And this question gets at the heart, I think, of discovering what's really the important thread that's pulling at each of our hearts. Is it our politics? Uh, does who I identify with politically dictate who I connect as being my people? Is it my job that connects me to my identity? Is it my family status? Or is it actually Jesus where my identity rests? Is my status in Him the only status that really matters? And if it is, it's going to be way easier for me to love people when their values actually differ a little bit from mine. I think we place real limits on our influence for Jesus when our passion for something other than Jesus gets in the way of a relationship. Uh, Jesus is everything. Politics is not everything. Personality is not everything. Occupation is not everything. Heck, even, even ethics and morality isn't everything. If, if Jesus is everything, I should be able to let my passion for Jesus outmuscle my passion for ethics. Maybe I think somebody, somebody is super unethical in my eyes. Even that should not be something that should cause me to create such a wedge of division in that relationship that I can't make the relationship work. To become unlimited in our relationships with people, we can't let our, our, our other passions outweigh our passion for Jesus because if they do, we're gonna to begin to sow division in those relationships. I think that we're all probably too guilty at times of letting our passions for things other than Jesus drive our interactions. And what do I mean by that? If I really disagree with somebody about something that I think is a moral issue and I hit them hard over that thing, it's unlikely that I'm doing anything to sway them. I wanna give you a, a hypothetical example. Let's say that I believe that um, pruning your tree in the middle of the summer is a sin. Okay, yeah, I'm making a ridiculous argument right here to kind of serve a point. Okay, let's say I'm, I'm passionate that pruning a tree, pruning your plants must take place in the fall. And so I see you pruning your plants on a hot summer 90 degree day. And as I'm walking by and you're minding your own business, I yell at you from my sidewalk. And I'm like, hey, how in the world can you be doing that to your plants? You, you're killing them, you know, you know that? Don't you realize that, that you, could, you couldn't be doing anything more dangerous than you are doing right now? Is there something wrong with you? So let me ask you, what, what will be the likely reaction of your neighbor in that situation? I just shut down a relationship before it ever got a chance to get off the ground. Here's what I did. I put the value of, a, of secondary things over my value of what's most important. If Jesus is really everything, then my first value is to build relationship in the spirit of Jesus through love, through kindness, through patience, through grace. Sharing my secondary passion about when to prune a plant, it's not gonna be heard if the primary passion isn't valuing Jesus in the relationship first. I want you to please hear this. You don't have to pick every argument. Practice showing the love of Jesus first and maybe one day down the road, Jesus will open that door for the hard conversation that you wanna have. 
after you've done the hard work of loving like Jesus loves first. No one ever changes their minds about what they value if, if because you want to value them to value what you value. No one's ever going to change their minds if you're doing, all you're doing is being a jerk and making your claims as to what should be important to them. But people, people may just listen to you if you've first seen the Spirit of, if they've seen the Spirit of Jesus in you first. If showing the grace of Jesus in your life is your highest priority and your highest value, then your secondary passions will also come out in grace. And you may find that your conversations are more beneficial for everybody. Uh, you may find that you have discussions rather than arguments that just keep getting more and more heated all the time. The Corinthian church, they had lost sight of what mattered. Jesus wasn't everything to them. He wasn't first and foremost in the list of their values. And so they stopped treating one another as Jesus would treat somebody. That if, if for any reason we displace Jesus from the position of highest value in our lives as individuals or as a church, we will cease to have the influence that we're meant to have as people and as a church. We will cease to love out of the fruit of the Spirit with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit that's embodied in the person of Jesus and made available to us through the Holy Spirit when something else matters more than Jesus. We've taken Him off the throne of our lives and the only option that's ever left available is that we've put ourselves on that throne. And at that point, we live to serve our own purposes rather than the purposes of Jesus. We have put a limit on our influence for Jesus. But Paul wrote to the Corinthian church later on, after he had talked about the ways that they were, they were sowing division, he later told them how they could be unlimited in their influence. It had everything to do with putting their own passions in, their, in the rightful places and keeping their passion for Jesus at the top. And here's what he says, the last verse of 1 Corinthians 1 and the first two, two verses of chapter 2. He says, it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, when you boast, boast in Jesus. In other words, if you're going to speak up and become vocal about anything at all, everything is secondary compared to Jesus. So if you're becoming vocal about something and Jesus isn't coming through in your passions, you failed in that moment. We need to be a church that is passionate first and foremost about people seeing Jesus. Not necessarily about people seeing the rest of the world exactly the way that I see the world. There is a, there's a quote from a pastor who says this, uh, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Paul said, I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He wasn't going to waste his time arguing about secondary passions with people and lose sight of the thing that was most important, which was Jesus. If we give people Jesus and nothing else, that is enough. That's everything. If we attach something else to Jesus, if we think that people have to live up to something else besides making Jesus Lord, then we have nothing. 
today, let's resolve to take the limits off our relationships with the people around us. Let's resolve to making Jesus the thing that we value most. I don't have to make someone else think exactly like I do. I don't have to argue with people about every little thing and cause division. We should resolve to do one thing today, as Paul, as Paul resolved to do, to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. There's no point in dividing ourselves from people whom we could be showing the love of Jesus to. In the midst of all of your passions in life, it's possible to put them all in submission to your passion for knowing Jesus and seeing others know Jesus. If we're going to be the church where Jesus is actually everything and where we embody the love of Jesus in every interaction that we have, putting Jesus at the top has to become our top priority. Is that your hope today? Are you willing to let every other passion come under the submission to your passion for knowing Jesus and to making him known? Why don't we ask Jesus to make that passion deeper in us today? Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that we have this example put before us of this early church, the Corinthian church, um, how they had gotten off off sight. They, they lost sight of what was most important. They started to argue and division came about. God, here's, here's the thing that we know. There is so much division in our world right now. And truth be told, we as Christians, we have not been always doing the best job of putting you at the top, of letting all of these divisions be, become secondary to, to us showing the love of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd help every single one of us to first and foremost this week concentrate on showing the love of Jesus to people. Before we can ever have a hard conversation with someone about something that there may be disagreement with, we have to love people the way that you loved. God, I pray that you would challenge our hearts. Show us those times where where maybe we've let other passions that are secondary kind of get above and beyond our passion for Jesus and for, for knowing Jesus and for making Jesus known. May that be our number one passion, Lord. Jesus is everything. Help us to live as though Jesus really is everything today. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.